Blog Talk Radio. I'm in Texas uh, today, and been since who was it? I think I read Thursday. Read Thursday in Dallas, did the JFK tour kind of thing, and then uh, went with my friend who lives in Texas down to Lubbock. So we're going to see some Buddy Holly stuff and enjoy the day. That's really cool. You know what? What's funny when you said that? So. Haven't had a chance to ask you about this, but obviously pretty big in the news right now is those wildfires over in California. When you started saying that, I was wondering, did did he evacuate? Is that does that affect your area at all, or is that unrelated? Um, no, it is related. Not, not for me, evacuation or anything to that effect. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely have the smoke, um, the breathing, and all that kind of. Uh, issues we're not we're not in any danger whatsoever but um yeah we can definitely feel the sort of i guess would be the after effects and those kind of things wow wow so how far away is that that you're feeling those effects still um well not me personally but like my wife and stuff um Mm -hmm. that uh she's i think the fire Maybe like thirty thirty minutes, forty minutes away. Um, I haven't really wow, talked to her about it, close. but but yeah, it's it's not too far away. That's for sure. Yeah, that seems too close for comfort, right there. Um, wow. Well, hope everybody is safe. Hope your family's safe. And uh, pretty cool that you're over in Texas. I thought maybe you were going to say you were checking out training camps or something. You were kind of getting in there with Sal Pal. Yeah, you know, we actually were talking about going um, to see the the Cowboys and stuff like that, but we just never made it made it up north. We we're sort of in the south uh, area of Dallas. Yeah. So cool. Well, obviously, there's been a lot going on in the football world. Uh, things really ramping up. Uh, July ends up being a pretty slow month, but August has really kicked off with a bang. Is there? Now, there's a lot of great stories out there. I don't know if you've heard this, but I'm reporting that I am in the best shape of my life for this football season. So 
So um, I'm ready to go. And it seems like everybody else who's playing football is also in the best shape of their life, except for maybe Rashad Penny. Have you heard about this? He's up something like 16 pounds from last year. Is that is that worrying you? It's kind of got me a little spooked. Um, yeah, it, it, it sort of coincides with the fact that they're, they've announced and everything changes so much, so it's not really all that drastic, but to me, it totally co- coincides with the fact that they're making Chris Carson the number one right now, and if it's because that he's overweight, that would totally make sense. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I guess I kept thinking, oh, they're just playing games and they're just letting the veteran guy – um, not he's not too veteran, but you know, the, letting the guy who's already been there and put in work, making the rookie earn it. But then, yeah, when this report surfaced, you know, that doesn't sound like. And I haven't seen any anything from him. I, I I don't know if anybody's talked to him about it yet. Maybe you've seen something that I haven't. But it's certainly hard to believe that he bulked up. And even I mean, 16 pounds of bulk would still be too much. I that's got me pretty spooked. And with him going as early as he go, he's going in dynasty drafts, I've got a rookie draft coming up. It's starting tomorrow. I'm kind of curious where he's going to go. If you, if you had the, let's say fifth pick and he fell to you, are you taking Penny? Wow. That's a tough question. Um, I would def- definitely be tempted to take him. But I'm I'm worried. Even if it, even if it, let's just say it's all muscle, right? That's still a problem, as we saw with Leonard Fournette, who's dropped, I, I believe, about 15 right. pounds. That he, he, Penny's a banger. You know, he's he's someone that's going to go through the middle and is a big guy. And if he's if even if he's put on muscle, it's going to slow him down. So I am worried about that, and that would definitely. I mean. Yesterday would be fine, you know. Um, this is the first time I've heard this, so um, I'm, I'm a little, little surprised myself. But um, yesterday would have been fine. I would have had no problem pulling it. But now it's just like, well, if Chris Carson is really the guy, then that's going to really put some damper on Richard Penny. And I believe that Seattle is going to just want to go with one, one running back for the most part, especially when you're saying, okay, Carson and Penny, who are both, kind of identical kind of runners there's only room for one so in the long term i think you have to pull the trigger just because the dynasty league and you would hope that he would change change whatever diet he's on to make him better um and then roll with the punches because that i I don't think you could pass him up because probably by six pick if you pass him up at five then he's going to go at six so if, if penny if you're still interested in Penny like you were yesterday, then I'd still go with him. Yeah, maybe from a future standpoint, it would be fine. But I guess overall for this season, I just feel like this makes me out on the Seahawks running back position overall. I mean, I, you know, there's some backfields like the Patriots backfield where, yes, there's some confusion. Who's it going to be? And obviously there's an injury there we need to talk about. Maybe you, maybe you, it's Burkhead, but you know, there's is kind of a who knows, but you still want to try to get a piece of that backfield, even if it's somebody late like James White. You want to take a piece of that backfield because it's a very productive backfield and has been for years. But when you look over at this Seahawks backfield, it's been a long time since Marshawn Lynch was making that backfield productive. 
and they haven't produced yep. a, a lot of great fantasy goodness out of the running back position in a while. And then you think, okay, they go out and draft Rashad Penny. Maybe they want to focus on the run, and then you hear this. And I don't know. It's enough to make me say uh, for 2018, I think I'm out on on those guys. So, um, yeah, the, there's a uh, just man. So many, so many breaking news things. I, you know, I thought maybe we can cover a few of those things and maybe jump sure. into some more of our team coverage that we were doing. But um, what do you think about this uh, news flash that came across today um, that says from uh, the Bears running back coach Charles London, he expects or he uh, Jordan Howard has been after practice catching two to three hundred extra balls a day. I wow. doing this. Yeah. So two to 300 extra balls a day. That's a lot. I mean, obviously he's trying to become better as a pass catcher. Is, what how does it make you feel about Jordan Howard? I, I have been thinking all along, he's a little bit underrated and he obviously had a really good 16 disappointed in 2017, but that whole offense disappointed in 2017. And there is reason to be optimistic about the offense. Uh, as long as Mitchell Trubisky isn't um, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, there's some reason to believe that they could have some productivity there, and that could mean good things for Jordan Howard. What do you what do you think about this latest news and just thoughts on Jordan Howard overall? Yeah, you know that that's I think with him staying after practice, I think he's worried about Tariq Cohen and um, yeah. I, I, I definitely have to say that you know, I give I give him props and I respect the fact that he's willing to go after practice and, and do that. So that's that's really cool. But I think he's scared of Tarek Cohen um, getting taking reps from him. And so he's like, okay, well, I better do something about this and is doing something about it, which you want your player to do. So I, I think it's all up uphill from here because if he can start catching the ball and do a better job of that, then he's a full-time back and just take, throw Terry Cohen off the board because Jordan Howard is going to be there for three downs. And, you know, yeah, I hope it works out. Uh, I like Jordan Howard a lot this year. I think he's, he's going to go, he's going to drop, which last year he was a high second round pick this year. He's probably going to drop, down into the lower second or maybe early third and that that price range is beautiful so i would definitely be all over howard now and then especially since he's he's working on catching the ball 100 percent with you and um so sometimes there are headlines that you just want to send to the rest of your league um and hope that it allows you to sell high News item came across, and I have a league where I still have Devontae Booker. Uh, Devontae Booker is listed as the starting running back on the Broncos' first step chart. If I can use this information and sell Devontae Booker, then I will. I think the rookie is the future there. Uh, do you think there's anything to this, and do you think Devontae Booker could end up being productive this year? I, th- I think he's going to be productive this year uh, through the long haul. I-, I totally agree with you. I think Roy- Royce Freeman is the future there, or at least that, that's what they want him to be. But I think he's having a hard time learning how to pick up blitzes and blocks. So I, with Freeman, he's not as uh, blocking prone 
I mean, I'm sorry, reverse that. With Booker, he's not as blocking prone as, as – did I reverse that wrong? Anyways, Booker is a better blocker than Freeman. Let's just say it that way. There we go. And, uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it's, it's, that's, I think that has a lot to do with why he's getting sort of the top billing. And, but as you mentioned, it's Freeman's world. And if you're looking just this year for win now or – just for redraft leagues, then I, I like Booker, but I, that's not gonna that's not gonna sustain itself. Week I I have uh, I have three leagues where the waiver wire uh, is actually just free agency. It's open and uh, one where you have to make claims. But just this past week, and I've been kind of feeling this way for a little while. Um, but I went and made sure that. Ryan Grant was owned in all my leagues. And I know that Ryan Grant is not um, the sexiest name, or I don't expect him to have, you know, some crazy 1,200-yard season. But this news item comes across today that T.Y. Hilton and Ryan Grant have really separated themselves from the other receivers. Now, when you look at the other receivers, maybe that's not a huge surprise, but I remember a couple of years back being pretty impressed by Ryan Grant's his route running, his ability to um, move without the ball and get open and create separation. And, you know, obviously he never got that chance in Washington, so there's reason to be very skeptical. Um, But he did get a pretty big contract from Baltimore before they uh, realized that Michael Crabtree could be available, so they decided to rescind that. Um, And then signed here, he's in a pretty good position, he's going to be in a – what I would think is a pretty productive offense, um, there could be a lot of targets to go around. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Grant could settle in as a wide receiver three, maybe a flex, flex options on, on some teams. He's basically free right now. And I know you're a big Colts guy. Are you, based on the people that you're following, have you seen a lot of good reports about him as well? Or do you think that's just, uh, there's nothing to see here? No, I think I think he definitely has the lockdown on the number two. I'm in dynasty world. I'm still a little concerned about how Darius Fountain might might usurp that position. But way the way it looks now is Grant is firmly planted in that number two spot. Which in uh, Andrew Luck style offense, you're going to get I think a lot of touchdowns. If, you know, if you remember Dante Moncrief was a big touchdown monster with Andrew Luck and I think Ryan Grant has offers that for for Luck so he he's not probably going to catch a lot of passes maybe 50 40 45 50 passes but I think he's going to deliver a lot of touchdowns just because T.Y. Hillman is is a long distance touchdown guy he's he's never been any a factor in in the red zone or or close up to the gold line as you, as you get. Uh, and I think Ryan Grant is definitely going to be uh, that, that style of guy that luck is going to look to. So I easily, he, he could get uh, eight to 10 touchdowns. I, I don't want to say easily, but I, I, that's definitely in the range. Eight to 10 the upside there. For, for Grant. I, you know, I'm I, sorry? I don't think he necessarily needs to be. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily needs to be owned in shallow leagues. Um, but in these deeper leagues where, you know, you've got some of those spots that are just projection anyway, 
I, I think he's definitely mm-hmm. a guy that we talk about on waiver wire shows later on this year. I, I think he's going to have yeah. some some good performances. What what it reminds me of is it kind of reminds me of when Willie Sneed went to New Orleans and. You know, sometimes just getting in the right system, getting in with the right quarterback, being able to run good routes, and having the trust of a high-level, accurate quarterback. I mean, that can really, that can really go a long ways to being. You know, no one thinks Willie Sneed is Antonio Brown, but he was definitely rosterable and startable that year that he came over to the Saints when they didn't have anybody else there to to take away targets from him. So uh, it kind of reminds me of that situation. I know. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton is going to get a lot of targets, and you know there's lots of talk about Ebron and Doyle. They're going to get theirs, and maybe Hines. But just I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ryan Grant uh, a couple times this year puts himself on the map of being owned, even in shallower leagues. Yeah, exactly, and I I definitely see that happening. I definitely see him being uh, a Moncrief kind of player. Even even if, you know even you think back with with. Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener, you're still looking at an upgrade even with Doyle and Ebron, but there's only so many targets going around and it's, it's going to be the same, the same amount, uh, evenly distributed. And I just think that, yeah, Grant is, is going to be owned in majority of leagues come by the end of the season, just because of his, the way he can score touchdowns and, deliver maybe two or three catches per game. So uh, there was a trade this week. It's uh, not often that you see a team unload a uh, recent first round pick, but it's the Browns and they tend to do (laughs) these sort of things. Uh, The Browns trade Corey Coleman and your first thought is, all right, he's getting an upgrade from the Browns, but uh, no, it's uh, to the Bills. So (laughs) yeah. Any interest, or does he kind of stay the same in your mind? It's it's still the same. I think he has more of an opportunity to definitely with the Browns the way they were coming into this season. He he was definitely the odd man out, and they definitely have more pass catchers than the Bills do. Uh, I I see this more as a threat to Zay Jones. Uh, I don't know if what his future is going to be like after going through his little mental um, breakdown and then having such a disastrous rookie season. I I don't know if they just feel that maybe he's, he's just too much of a loose cannon or that he just needs a lot more work uh, to develop into a pro that he could be. So they're like, you know, what, what should we do? Well, Coleman is sort of available because, He's sort of the odd man out in Cleveland. Let's see what he can do for us. So he definitely has an open area. He definitely has an open shot a lot more than he has in Cleveland. Unfortunately, he has either A.J. McCarron or uh, the rookie throwing him the ball. So, yeah, I I don't know if if it's any better, but the opportunity is, is greater, I think. You know what's funny, man? Uh, or I guess not funny. It's really not funny at all. But as we're sitting here talking about this, I was about to transition over to what it could mean for the Browns and literally was thinking, hey, they've got that rookie there, Antonio Callaway. And that's, um, you know, could mean some more opportunities for him, especially, you know, depending on what happens with Josh Gordon. And then as those thoughts are crossing my mind, 
uh, an alert comes up on my phone that says Browns rookie wide receiver Antonio Callaway was cited for marijuana possession Sunday morning. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so the Browns going to Brown, I guess. Um, that is, wow. So, no, it's not going to be him. Um yeah, I guess, you know, I, I saw on Twitter somebody say there is something like in uh, – there must be something in contract that every single season he has to have 150 targets. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so right. maybe maybe this just is all looking like, hey, uh, make sure you've got Jarvis Landry on your team. But, wow, that's uh, yeah. quickly becoming a mess there. Wait, you know, leave it up to the Browns. I mean, there's this – no matter what they do right, somehow it's always going to be wrong. <laughs> Man, that's uh, well, that's disappointing. So, um, real quick, any, any reason to worry about Antonio Brown? He was um, dealing with a leg issue, and he's not going to be able to go in the first preseason game. Is this just nothing to see here? Or, I mean, Antonio Brown is getting up into that 29-year-old range that, you know, He's maybe the best receiver in the league, but uh, Father Time's undefeated. Is is this? Yeah. Would you start to worry about him injury wise, or is this you still? If you if you've got him in a dynasty league, you still not worried at all. It, it's hard to say not to be worried. Uh, just depending on even if he's, I don't I don't expect him to play with a, a nagging injury during the preseason, just because he's Antonio Brown and. There's really no reason for him to, especially since he's not even working with, with a new quarterback or anything. It, it's not going to mean all that much. But uh, if the season goes on and and it's a continuous nagging injury, I think that that's going to slow him down. And being, I think, 30 now or 31, he um, that's going to definitely, as you mentioned, age is, you know, is doesn't matter who you are it's going to take care of you sooner or later so uh if you mix them both then that's double trouble and yeah i i still i still don't worry about playing him but or starting him in my lineup but it's definitely a, a little worrisome wondering if his production is going to suffer and you know thinking that it will how much it's going to suffer is the issue yeah, those stocks of Juju might um, be really valuable here um, this year and kind of going forward. And I guess maybe some of it's tied to how long Big Ben is going to play, but uh sure seems like there's a world of opportunity there for him. And, you know, kind of excited to see Washington over there as well, um, to see him perform. That's That could be an interesting yeah. uh, year there for the Steelers. And, you know, Lev Bell is holding out. I mean, a lot of those, some of the changing of the guard may maybe taking place. I he may or may not be back next year. That's it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the Steelers going forward. And uh, maybe you just Even, have to enjoy your. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, even Juju Smith is deal, dealing with uh, nagging injury, nagging hamstring. He's in and out of practices uh, for the last couple weeks now. So. And yeah, they're you know they're definitely dealing with a lot of different obstacles, which kind of in itself it always sends sends uh, red flags to me when teams 
struggle like this early in the season, even though they're not major struggles, it's it's just like, okay, are, are we in for a season where the, the Steelers just are dealing with so much that it becomes a disruption and they don't perform the way they should just because there's always something going on? Yeah, speaking of always something going on, so I so I have this little – and, again, it's not like a flashing red lights like DEFCON 1, like there's a really big issue for the Steelers, but there are some thoughts of, hey, this has been a really reliable offense fantasy-wise, but could it step back? I mean, there are some reasons to believe that maybe this this offense could step back a little bit this year. I'm also – I've got more worries – than even that about this Patriots team. And this week they let go of Jordan Matthews. They let go of um, Malcolm um, Mitchell. Mitchell. And I'm, yeah, I'm hearing great reports about Cordero Patterson. Like they're really talking up Cordero Patterson right now. And all of those things send a signal to me that, you know, I, who's going to catch the ball? Edelman's out for the first little while. I mean, sure, there's Chris Hogan, but I don't. I don't think anybody ever looks at Chris Hogan and thinks that's a guy who's going to catch 120 passes for 1,600 yards and carry an offense. You're not going to want him to to be your main target. Obviously, there's Gronk there, so you know maybe it's just the passing to Gronk, passing to running backs out of the backfield, maybe some deep shots to Hogan, but. I just am, for the first time in a long time, I'm a little more. Now, every time I have been worried about the Patriots at all, it's come back to bite me (laughs) and clearly not been an issue to really worry about. But I just, it's hard to ignore what is going on there right now and not think that there could be issues with them this season. Yeah, and it's the infighting going on that we kept hearing about the rumors between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and who, who knows who else. And also Amendola, he's gone. He's not there anymore. Uh, Yep. So they're looking, you're looking at Philip Dorsett and Chris Hogan as your receivers. And I I don't know how, how much fear that's going to put into a defense coordinator, but I've never coached a defensive game, and I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be afraid to to throw a game plan out there with those guys. So, um, it's it's it doesn't look very promising at all. So, on the list of like magic tricks, like greatest magic tricks that you've seen, um, turning Cordell Patterson into a fantasy relevant receiver this year would rank how high on that list? <laughs> uh, probably three. <laughs> it's pretty big, right? I mean, that's yeah. You know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, you know, especially when for a team that you that you know you get really good wide receivers like Chad Johnson that go there, and you hear that he has trouble picking up you know the offense and different things like that, and then you see Cordell Patterson go there, who's not nearly as accomplished or nearly as savvy a you know running route runner, and think, he, I mean, he was never a good route runner. Um, mm-hmm. can do can do some things with the ball in his hands after the catch and things like that. But um, yeah, when they're talking him up as if he's um, kind of the star of their practices, you know what it made me think of? It made me think, gosh, you know, kind of like the Josh Allen being the best quarterback there. Like it made me think of you know if you're in a town and you know there's a whole lot of like really, really like 
below average attractive people and then all of a sudden like an average attractive person shows up, you're like, wow, that's a 10. (laughs) It's like you got a whole bunch of below average receivers there all of a sudden. And then Cordell Patterson is a little fast and you're like, Oh wow. He looks really good. He's an all pro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Just a couple little things that were going on in my mind, a little bit of worries there. And, um, you know, we've been going through the last little while, we've been going through our our wide receiver um, uh, depth charts and looking at tight ends and all. Last week we did that. Um, and uh, we've got 16 or so teams left to do today. Um, is there anything else, I guess, coming up? Obviously there's 16 games this Thursday. Is, is it 16 this Thursday? Or um, maybe there's 16. a couple of them this weekend. I can't remember. But it's definitely over the course of this weekend, there's going to be 16 NFL preseason week one game. So some pretty interesting things. Anything that you're excited to see or right off the bat there that you're looking for while I pull up these depth charts? Yeah. You know, I, I think a couple battles I'm looking for is definitely say the Jets quarterback situation and what's going to happen with that. You're hearing Sam Darnold is, is the starter, but they're, they're also saying McCown is the best quarterback in training camp. So it, that's good kind of interesting um definitely as we were talking about earlier chris carson richard penny what's going to be happening with them and also with Devontae booker and royce freeman i think those are also some interesting and and one other thing but it seems like as time is getting closer is the fact that is as bryant going to land on a team and uh i don't know i i don't know if des bryant is going to be able to do that or not what what are your thoughts on that yeah i was thinking about him obviously it sounds like he something the browns had interest but he maybe wasn't as interested in signing with the browns which hey you know maybe shows that uh des bryant has some pretty good decision making skills um just depends on who who else is you know looking at him i mean you know it seems like maybe he's taking his time to try to make sure he winds up in a good situation for him, which is smart. I mean, there's no reason to rush. I mean, yes, you'd like him to get in and, you know, figure out a way to get on the same page with the quarterback right away. But, you know, the type of wide receiver he is, he seems like the kind of guy that could show up late to camp. He's a veteran. Um, He's not a guy that is going to, you know, thrive on separation and all those things. I mean, but he's a guy that can go up and get it. So if you have a quarterback, um, you know, I say a Matthew Stafford or, you know, if they were to take an injury or something like that um, in the first couple of weeks and you know, like Matthew, Matthew Stafford is the kind of guy willing to put a ball up or, or the Buccaneers, you know, Jameis Winston is certainly willing to throw a ball up and let his guy go and get it. Uh, you know, maybe he's looking for that right situation. And you can understand why looking at looking at Tyrod Taylor and his, you know, he's a guy that is not going to just throw a ball up for grabs. He's not a risk taker. He's not a guy that's going to take those kind of chances. So maybe he's thinking about that. Maybe that he's just looking at the right fit for him. And I think that's smart and, you know, he's got almost zero worth right now in Dynasty Leagues, and if you can get him for, you know, maybe Devontae Booker, um, I might would do that, actually. Um, 
Uh, you might even could get more more than Des Bryant for Devontae Booker, but I I think he factors into something this year for sure. Just um, you know, there's a lot of unknown right now, so he could be burning a hole in somebody's roster that's just looking to get rid of him at this point. Do you, Do you think he wants to play? I mean, I it figures like there's no there's no really no interest outside of Cleveland that that wants him, and he's sort of just playing games with them. The do you think he's interested in still playing, or is it Cleveland and that's the tendency is is joining the Browns? Yeah, I think that's the risk is, you know, of course we only know what teams or the player wants us to know. So um, I, I don't know why the information with the Browns kind of got out there. Maybe it just progressed to the point that, um, you know, somebody leaked it to a reporter, but, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were other teams that have checked in on him. And, you know, I, I he may, I, again, he may just be waiting to see, you know, I, as bad as it is to say, statistically, one of these wide receivers who a team is counting on is going to go down with a ACL injury or an ankle injury or something like that here in camp. I mean, it just inevitably always happens. So, if that does happen, does that team look to Dez? And, you know, I, again, I, I, as long as you're giving up nothing or something that you think is going to turn into nothing, then I'm okay with that um, in Dynasty. Because if, if there were no questions about whether he wanted to play or who he was going to sign with, if, if you knew he was going to go sign with uh, the Chiefs and – you know, we we knew that there was an injury there or something like that, then there, his stock would go way up and his price would go up too. So right. sometimes to profit, you've got to buy when those stocks are at the penny levels. Yep. So yep. Sometimes that makes you a very rich right. man. That's right. So, um, all right. So I've got, I've got the depth charts pulled up and I've figured out where we left off. We were about to jump into the Falcons and – there is – there's a – you know what? Actually, yeah, the Falcons. We've talked at length about Julio Jones already, um, but I want to go past Julio Jones because we've already spent time talking about him. Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy, Marvin Hall are all uh, the rest of the wide receivers on that depth chart. And I want to start really just by asking you about Calvin Ridley and what your expectations are for him. We kind of know what Muhammad Sanu is going to do. Uh, wouldn't expect anything too too great, but maybe a bye week fill in kind of a guy. Calvin really could be more. Calvin really is the kind of guy that could carry um, a lot of targets to, or could get thrown a lot of targets his way. So, um, what are your expectations for him in his first year? Do you think he's got a 800 to a thousand yard receiving season in him? Do you think he's the kind of guy that could pick up on touchdowns that are left behind by Julio Jones? Uh, what do you think about, to me, the most exciting person in this receiving core outside of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley? Yeah, I think there's definitely more future uh, involved with Ridley than there is present time. I, I just don't see him being able to squeeze out as many targets and, and catches just because the majority of them are going to go to Jones alone and then – what's basically what's remainder is going to go to Sanu. So I don't, I really see him being a 
undervalued as far as this year, which which makes him a high value for the future, just because obviously Sanu is not the future. Um, with that said, you're going to have to deal with the struggles of getting him around the seventh pick of a rookie draft and dealing with the fact that you know he's just not going to be able to do much this year. Uh, even in touchdowns, it's going to be difficult because you have the target, of course, is always Jones, and then you have Sanu, who's, who's you know a big, tall receiver, and then you have Hooper as well. I I don't see much other than maybe 25 catches and three touchdowns. Yep. Uh, I can see that. I can see that on, on, on the low end. Um, you mentioned Hooper. I mean, Eric Sober, I'm, I'm going to kill these last names again this week, but uh, he's there. He's there as well. Do you think, you think Hooper hangs onto that job? And um, if so, is, is he a guy that you're, you're, rostering and kind of counting on maybe as a backup tight end at this point? Is that kind of about the ceiling for what you expect for him? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely see that as a ceiling. I, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind somebody else grabbing him if if so be, Uh, but he's definitely at the very, very most a second tight end. He just, just the opportunities aren't, aren't there. I think he's talented, but when you're not getting thrown the ball, then you're just not going to be able to put points on the board. So that's what he's facing. He's just facing a, a, just the opportunities of Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu just gobbling all that up. Now you throw Calvin Ridley in the mix, and it's it's just vacant. There, there's just nothing for him. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say the ceiling is, is the number two tight end. I, I consider him undraftable, but, um, you know, yeah. in that offense, yeah. that high-powered offense, it's kind of hard to say no to someone, especially someone who's just coming into his third season, uh, um, you know. So buy and hold maybe and see what happens, but definitely not much for the time being. Yeah, so you said the high-powered offense, and there's a lot of people based on rankings uh, who would say that the Giants are going to be maybe the most high-powered. Um, when you look at where they rank a lot of the uh, a lot of the parts of this team, now obviously it's a really maybe a really expensive car driven by your grandma <laughs> when you factor in. Eli Manning um, yeah. being the one in charge of driving this bus here, driving this car. So um, we know what Odell Beckham is, top three, probably dynasty asset out there right now overall. Uh, he seems to really like Russell Shepard. Um, and we know Evan Ingram. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about these secondary options after Odell? Obviously Saquon's going to factor into the uh, passing game as well, but – when you see um, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram kind of fighting out for that, probably second in the team in targets, who do you think is the best bet there? And just what are your expectations for that group? I, I see I see Shepard with more catches and yards than Ingram, but I see Ingram with more touchdowns than Shepard. Uh, so I, I see it breaking down that way. So if you're, if you're in a highly – either a standard or in a highly dependent touchdown league, then you're definitely going to want to target Ingram. 
But if you're in a PPR league, then I think it's Shepard. Uh, it's interesting. They were, I was I was reading a, an article and they didn't mention the other receivers, and I didn't get a chance to look back. But they're talking about Shepard being the best receiver in that draft class, and I'm thinking, and I was thinking back, and I'm like, that's probably true. And I don't know. I, I can't remember who who else was involved in that, but. Um, that that's why I thought it was true because I'm like I don't remember any of those guys. So it's interesting to to see someone like Shepard who who's definitely done a lot of good things when he's had the opportunity to do things. It's just is Eli Manning going to be able to get him the production that you're going to need for your football team? Um, and I believe that this is going to be his last year. He might have one more year, but then you're looking at having Kyle Aletta coming in. Um, and we have no idea what that's going to be like. That could either be great and wonderful, or it could be just falling to flat. And now you have Shepard tied in with La Letta for however, how long, um, and it's just not producing anything. So it's, I think it's one of the biggest interesting conundrums that uh, we have right now in in the NFL and fantasy is what's going to go happen with these players like Sam, like Shepard, Johnny Shepard um, with Eli Manning and his backup. So uh, yeah, it's definitely someone I'm interested in, but it's also uh, warning signs all over the place. Okay. So I am looking at the 2016 draft right now. Do you want to hear the wide receivers taken there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Corey, Corey Coleman. I think you can say, yeah, I, I'd probably take Shepard today over Coleman. Um, Will Fuller, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Would you want Will Fuller or Shirley Shepard? I'd take Shepard. What about Shepard or Josh Doxson, 22 to the Redskins? Uh, Shepard, easy. Then 23, the man, the myth, the legend, Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> Obviously, you take Shepard. <laughs> yes. Then Shepard, man, he Shepard went forty. I didn't. I, I thought he was a first rounder, but no. Um, but here's the here's the guy in that draft class who was the best though. At forty seven, the Saints selected Michael Thomas. Oh yeah, easy. So that's your wow. Guy, so, but yeah, I, yeah, I can see Shepard being the uh, second for sure. So yeah. So Thomas 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 went after all those guys, huh? He did. He did. Which you know, some of that is so so hard to. Um, you just don't really know exactly what to expect. I guess like I, I I'm not one of those people who says that the draft is a crapshoot. I think it's a lot more. I think it's more than that. I think I, I understand what people mean when they when they say that. I think what they mean is like there's some unpredictability to it, and there is. Um, but there was a lot of people talking about, oh, Corey Coleman, the Browns were stupid because they drafted a wide, they drafted him over Michael Thomas. But you know, everybody passed on Mike, Michael Thomas. I mean, you can't look at that and say that's just Sashi Brown's fault. Um, everybody passed on Michael Thomas, and the Saints, the Saints even passed on him, and then got him in the second round. So um, anyway, yeah, he was he uh, he went forty seven that year, so. Wow. Interesting, interesting time. So, um, yeah, I think 
I think Evan Ingram probably is maybe a little bit more valuable in Dynasty right now just because of the tight end position being a little bit weaker. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Cody Latimer and Russell Shepard, a couple of guys who have been interesting at different times in the past. They're kind of hanging around that roster. Do you think there's a chance they make any noise this season, or do you think the ship has sailed for both those guys? Yeah, I think Russell Shepard might have a better chance than Cody Latimer, but sometimes a new place is is what's needed. I think Latimer was a second-round pick, something that effect. So, obviously, the yeah, talent is Broncos, there. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah so, it, but he didn't – he hasn't done anything. So, it's hard to say, okay, well, this is the year you're going to do this. But if he goes to New York and it fits and his talents are brought out by the offense, then I think you have something. So, I definitely – feel that there's still a chance and if you want to take a dark throw and it's a deep league and you're like oh maybe you know who knows I can't disagree with that uh so I think both have some kind of value it just depends on if it's going to work out or not um but as far as right now it's it's nothing more than than a deep league dark throw I'm sure there has to be someone that has done this but can you think of anybody who has caught passes from both Peyton and Eli? Oh, wow. Um, I couldn't think of anybody off the top of my head, but Latimer played with Peyton his first year. Yeah. And he had to have caught a pass or two. So he's got a chance at being, yeah. uh, being some trivia here. Um, yeah. So I'll be pulling for that, I guess, at least. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I, don't, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, anybody that that's done yeah. that's done there. So yeah, that's that's a cool trivia. That's that's really cool trivia. I like that. Something to root for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. All right. So another offense that I just find very fascinating, and there's a lot to sort through here. Uh, I think one through five, all very interesting options at the receiver position. The Jaguars. Um. Bortles kind of came a little bit into his own last year. I mean, obviously there was um, a lot of issues. I'm not saying Blake Bortles is – I'm not expecting him to be fantastic. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be adequate, but some really interesting weapons, one through five, and even even at tight end. But Marquise Lee, who's coming back, who did a really good job for them last year. Dante Moncrief, who you mentioned, has a propensity to score a lot of touchdowns. Could be interesting here in this new offense. Um, Keelan Cole, who had a monster second half last year. He actually he did really well. Edie Westbrook, who's really interesting. And then maybe not for right now, but the guy that's kind of an interesting dart throw at the end of a really deep dynasty league is DJ Chark. Uh, and then even a yeah. tight end, Austin Superior Jenkins. A lot of, a lot of really interesting guys, and no real. Um, I mean, maybe you say Marquise Lee is kind of the incumbent here, and you expect him to get a certain amount of targets. But I think, however many passes Blake Bortles is going to throw, you've almost got a uh, blank slate. And who's going to come in here and fight? And who do you think wins that battle for getting the most of those targets? <laughs> oh wow! Um, what a mess! And and not only that, you're you're looking at a team that's going to be running the ball, and you have all these receivers 
and none of them are really someone that is you can say yeah that guy right there he's he's the guy that that's going to be targeted um as far as right now i i think uh, austin safari and jenkins but they don't even really go to the tight end that much in that offense so <laughs> um grab grab six seven dice and put a name on each one of them and roll the dice and whatever comes up the highest number that's your guy i really it it, I think it comes down to comes down to that because it they all have opportunities they all have advantages they all are sort of different types of players. Um, I wish I could give a definitive answer on this, but I've been going racking my brain uh, for the longest time over this, and I just I just can't give a, a straight answer because I it's just too much of a jumbled mess. Right. Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where kind of what I've what I've done in a lot of my dynasty leagues is I've got I I have one league where I had Moncrief last year, so I've kind of got I I got him on one of those teams. Uh, I've got Marquise Lee on another team, and you know I wouldn't mind trying to pick up uh, Keelan Cole and you know yeah. maybe some other pieces on another team, and you know one of those I mean you know there's a lot of targets and if somebody's going to get 140 targets in that offense and somebody probably will, I don't know who, but somebody probably will. And if so, you're, you know, you're going to want that guy on your team. So, um, yeah. So some interesting things to to think about there. I'm with you. I think Austin Ferry and Jenkins kind of makes for a good sleeper tight end. I think he's, one of those guys that if you miss out on some of the big guys and you just pump the tight end position until the end, he's he might be a guy to take a take take advantage of and you know put him in a committee and see if he turns into something. So um, yeah, probably not a lot to talk about on this next team um, with the Jets. As you mentioned, it sounds like Josh McCown is going to be the guy there at least at first. Uh, the the wide receiver position is pretty ugly. I got to be honest with you. It's Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, Quincy Anunwa, the ghost of Terrell Pryor, and Chad Hansen. Um, now, I have heard good things about Chris Herndon, the rookie tight end, uh, but rookie tight ends are always a tough gamble. What do you think about those wide receiver options? And it doesn't really seem like there's anything to see here on the tight end position either. This just seems like a whole mess to avoid all around. What do you think? Um, I think outside of Robbie Anderson, yeah. Uh, I, I like Quincy Nuna, but he, I don't think he's been healthy his entire career. So it's hard to wrap around someone like that. Uh, but as long as, which is a big if, if Robbie Anderson can keep his head straight and on football and responsibility – then I think he's he's going to be a, a standout football player. Uh, it's just dealing with him and and his issues. Uh, so if you're if you're not so risk adverse and you're like okay, I think you know he's he's learned his lessons and I think Robbie Anderson has a lot to offer offer a team. Yeah, I agree. I I um. You know, not a lot to talk about here, I guess, but, you know, nobody that's probably going to win your, your league here on the Jets, but something to monitor, at least in the preseason. And 
you know, if this if this buzz is right on Herndon, then maybe that is someone that you watch in the preseason and maybe take a take a flyer on in the fourth or fifth round of your rookie draft pick, something like that, and just stash them away sure. for a little while if you got a taxi squad or something like that. So a uh, little bit to see there, I guess. But um, yeah, let's let's move on to a little bit better offense and the Lions. I saw this today. Uh, if you just project out Matthew Stafford's numbers um, and assume he plays like until he's like almost forty, uh, he could very easily wind up beating whoever holds the yardage record at that point. Probably Drew Brees. He could very well end up being the leading passing yardage quarterback of all time. Uh, that kind of surprised me. What do you? I know he threw the ball a lot. Is that uh, that's surprising to me? What do you think? He he's always been someone that's that's he, he's like Matt Ryan, but only I think better as far as touchdowns and they're always throwing a lot of yards. I I don't know how many times he's thrown for over 4,000, but I, I believe it's it's almost every season. So it's not too surprising that's the factor, but um, it, touchdowns have always been sort of a, a difficult area for him. So someone, someone that I really love to have is Stafford just because he's always going to be – he's like Phillip Rivers, right? He's always going to be 10th, 11th, 12th quarterback off the board – but produce top 10 numbers. And so, yeah, he, he's definitely one of those guys I love to target. Well, so who do you think he's going to be targeting the most this year? We talked a little bit about, obviously, Golden Tate and uh, and Marvin Jones. I, you know, Golden Tate probably better in, in PPR for you. Um, exciting yeah. second-year guy there, though, Kenny Galladay. What kind of role do you think he plays in the offense this year? He's definitely a stretch the field kind of guy, uh, and I like him a lot more in best ball than I do anything else, just because he's that that uh, Will Fuller, um, oh I can't think, Ted Ginn kind of player where it's it's deep deep ball all or nothing. I think he actually has better hands than, than both Ginn and and. Um, the guy from Houston, I can't think of it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, Fuller, yeah. I think he definitely has has better hands than either of those two guys, but uh, I, I I just don't see much out of him. He's definitely not not someone's going to run into the zones and do crossing patterns. It's it's all posts or corners for him. Yeah, things get real bleak after those three guys, and the tight end position is kind of depressing. Luke Wilson, Michael Roberts, Levine, Toy Lolo, Sean McGrath, Hakeem Bales. There's just, there's nothing there at tight end and really surprising as they, um, as they got rid of Eric Ebron over the off season, he's creating so much buzz there in Indy and they've really got nothing there to show at tight end. So um, yeah, nothing, nothing really to see there unless, unless you see something I don't. No, no, there, there's not, I mean, what are we looking at the tight end, right? It's like you said, Luke Wilson is might maybe the starter, but he, he's not going to blow off the doors off of Eric, what Eric Ebron did by any means. Uh, right. So yeah, they, it's, there's very little to do with, with anything uh, other than maybe a free agent waiver wire kind of pickup for, for you. It, it, 
if you're in a desperate tight end need. Could Devontae Adams be the number one overall wide receiver this year? Oh, that's – oh, man. Um, I, I don't want to say no. Um, will it happen? I doubt it, but he very well could be. It, it, you know, if you're looking at someone like Jordy Nelson, you know, with the Packers, that's going to be his role now. I and mean, he's going to catch a lot of passes, and he's going to score some touchdowns. Um so I don't I don't want to say no no way that can't be possible but right. um, you know it's it's doable it, it's for sure doable um, I've been drafting him a lot too so I'm I'm really excited plus he's a Fresno State guy so you know living close right. to Fresno it's 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 always exciting to see those kind of players do well so I'm a little bit of a homer on him that. I remember he, after his first season, he looked a lot like people were just jumping off of his bandwagon and feeling like he was a bust. And, man, he has just really turned into a fantastic wide receiver. Um, He's getting – he's basically – I mean, it's the guy we can talk about too, but almost made – you know, Randall Cobb used to be the guy that would score all their touchdowns. He'd get 10, 12 touchdowns in a season. But, uh, man, he – he just uh, 14, 2014, he had 38 catches, 446 yards. People were, you know, a little bit, you know, down on him. And then actually, maybe that's the second year he had 50 catches, 483. So maybe that's when people started jumping off after that second year. Hit that third year stride and oddly enough, still has not had a thousand yard receiving year, but did have 12 touchdowns and 10 touchdowns the last two seasons. So, I think he's the kind of. I think he's a really good bet to get over a thousand this year, maybe twelve hundred, and good bet for those double digit touchdowns, or at least as much of a good bet as anybody could be. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to like there with Devontae Adams, and he could be your wide receiver one. But behind him, Randall Cobb is still there. Obviously, kind of a reliable guy. I'd be curious to see what role he takes on in the offense this season. Wonder what your thoughts are there too. And then a favorite sleeper for a lot of people, Geronimo Allison behind him. Um, I'm not really super big on any of the, the rookies or some of those younger guys, Javon Moore, Marquez, Valdez, Gatling. I'm not really big on those guys. Um, tell me if you are, but uh, between Cobb and Allison, what do you think, what, what do you think things look like there? And how do you, how are you playing the rest of this? Green Bay Packer wide receiver core that could be fruitful with Mr. Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball. Yeah. So you're absolutely right about that with the Packers offense. It's going to be highly charged with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so you're, you're definitely looking at multiple receivers. Uh, I, the third receiver in Green Bay has always been somebody that's always come and done something. They've, I don't know why or where, but, if you're looking at the past years of, especially with Aaron Rodgers being there, you always will see the third receiver coming up and usurping and being eventually the number one guy. In fact, Devontae Adams was the, was the third receiver for a few of those years. Uh, so with that said, I like Geronimo Allison more than I like Randall Cobb. I think Cobb has done what he's going to do. Uh, he's maybe the listed as the number two. But I don't see that lasting very much at all. I, I think um, 
if I'm drafting, I'm not going to pick Randall Cobb in the 10th round, 11th round, or whatever he's going. Um, I'm going to pick Geronimo Allison in the 14th or 15th round uh, and just just go with, with that. And, I, 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 yeah, I just – especially in Dynasty Leagues, I think Allison's definitely going to be the guy. As the rookies go, Jamal Moore has some talent. Um, Equanimous St. Brown also is someone that I'm, I'm looking at. And I, and I grabbed in a few round, a few drafts. So those two guys uh, are probably going to be easy, the fourth or fifth receiver. But I see them moving up, especially once Randall Cobb goes, which probably shouldn't be too long from now. So one of those two guys will move up into the as being in the third, third receiver by Allison's number two. And then we're cycling again with, with that third receiver coming up and usurping um, that number two role and being one of the top players with Aaron Rodgers. So it all depends on how long Roger plays, though. Uh, he's, he's definitely getting up there himself. So it should be interesting to see if if St. Brown or Jamon Moore actually can can come up and be a number two receiver by the time Aaron Rodgers retires. Jimmy Graham has created a lot of off-season, um, I guess, fights. There's a lot of people who really like Jimmy Graham because he's back and he's playing with a good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers there. Um, obviously, he had a good season last year in the red zone. Um, I'm on the other side. I think Mercedes Lewis, who's there, is one of the better. It has been one of the better blocking tight ends, and I think he's going to see the field a lot because of that. Um, also Lance Kendrick is there too, and he's got some, some skills as well. Jimmy Graham could be better than all of them from a fantasy standpoint, obviously, but I think those other guys could take enough away from him where I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure he's anything more than maybe a back end tight end one. Um, what do you think about Jimmy Graham this season? I like him a lot. I think he's going to finish anywhere between, four and seven as far as tight ends go. He's definitely going to be catching a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot more receptions than he normally does. I, I look at him in, as a Saints, uh, as Drew Brees did with the Saints. He He's going to be someone that's going to catch 65, 70 balls for 800, 800 yards and 10, 10 to 12 touchdowns. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I guess he could. I mean, obviously, we know he's got the upside. I mean, I guess it's not crazy to think he's got the upside to be the number one tight end. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably not likely, but I guess I worry a little bit. I mean, the 10 touchdowns last year clearly helped his stats. Um, he did have 57 catches, which is which is good. He is He's 31 years old now, I guess. And I, I really do. I I think some of these other tight ends around him are going to, they're going to play. They're going to see the field. And is he going to get work maybe as a tight end and also as that, you know, kind of the same way they used to use Jermichael Finley, where is he going to step out into the slot? Like he's done a lot in his career. I could see that being interesting for him. So, yeah, I mean, I sounds like um, you're a little bit bigger on him than me. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried about how many targets he's going to see this year. Uh, so anyway, let's let's jump over to the Panthers. Why is that? Why are you worried about his target share? Is this because of uh, Allison and the rest of the crew, or what's what's your concern there? 
Well, so Aaron Rodgers never – he never has the attempt numbers, the gaudy attempt numbers that like a Matthew Stafford has, right? So you've already <laughs> – you know, he does – he's super efficient. He's going to – you know, his – when you get targets from Aaron Rodgers, they're more meaningful <laughs> than, you know, from somebody else for sure. But, um, you know, and there's just a lot of mouths to feed here. You do have – you do have Devontae Adams who's going to command that wide receiver one type targets. You have Cobb and Allison that we talked about. You've got Ty Montgomery, who is still hanging around there, maybe running back, maybe wide receiver. He's going to get a healthy amount of uh, targets, I believe. Um, And then just between the tight ends, you know, again, I I think when you're protecting Aaron Rodgers, putting Mercedes Lewis out there makes a lot of sense as your tight end. Um, And he's going to be one of the, maybe the best blocking tight end they've had in a long time. Um, and, you know, then you've got Jimmy, Jimmy Graham and you've got Lance Kendricks that I think Lance Kendricks could see his – I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 20 or 30 catches this year. So I, I just think there could be a fight for targets. Now, he could really ex- exert himself and really get himself in there where he's forcing Aaron Rodgers to throw him the ball. Um, and maybe that happens. And if it does, clearly I'm going to be really wrong about that. But I can just also tell another story where – he, maybe he does score eight touchdowns this year, somewhere around there. Maybe he gets up to ten even. But, um, you know, there's there are a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I have my concerns about how he could fall off a cliff here sharply if he gets lost in the shuffle. And and that that's a lot of the negativity that that's coming around, especially the fact of what you mentioned as far as Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he's not really been someone that goes to the tight end all that much. And, but my, I don't know. I just feel like why bring, why bring someone over like, like Jimmy Graham, if you're not going to use them, you know, and um, it's just tough because you have this history of not going to the tight end and then you bring one of the top tight ends, in the NFL as far as the receiver and you don't use them, but yeah, you haven't been using the tight end. So what makes him um, any different? And why would you change your offensive system just because you bring over a 32 year old, you know, aging tight end who has banged up knees, right. and, you know, health problems. So um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's going to be an interesting um, key in seeing, you know, watching preseason and seeing how that develops. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think, I think there's a, there's a lot there and it could end up being, it just could end up being where it's no issue at all. And you've got talented quarterback, talented tight end who also, you know, at least half the time is more of a receiver than he is a tight end anyway. Um, and maybe just two plus two equals four, but you know, it, it, I think I think there is a little bit of um, of that that's weighed down his stock a little bit. So maybe you do have a chance to profit on on him if you take him in your draft. Um, it just won't be me. If we're in a league together, it'll be you, but it won't be me. So yeah, uh, I'll let you take that shot. So yeah, so the Panthers are the next team on our list, and I know we've talked about Devin Funchess, um, so we won't necessarily go back over that neither one of us were super high on his 
talent, um, but could get a decent amount of targets. Behind him, Torrey Smith, DJ Moore, uh, may want to talk about, but Jarris Wright, Curtis Samuel, and then, of course, maybe the guy that's going to get the most targets is Greg Olson. What do you, what do you expect there receiving-wise in Carolina? Yeah, I think I'm definitely high on the rookie If of all the players. Olsen, to me, is – you know, he – of course, he had the injury, and, and then he came back at the end of the season. But even then, I think he only had – I think he played five games and had maybe one uh, game that was that was Olsen-like. The rest were, were not very good. And before he got hurt, the first three games, I think he – wasn't really doing all that well either. So it, it makes me wonder if, if he's done, you know, if, if he's just reached to the time where his age is not allowing him to perform like he has for all these years uh, since coming in to with Chicago. And that's very well a possibility uh, to have, like you mentioned, just so many different pass catchers, including Christian McCaffrey uh, so they, I think they're going to rely rely on punches uh, as a receiver until a rookie shows up. But yeah, and Olsen, of course, is going to be a key key component unless he just can't do it. So they they got so many. They're almost like Jacksonville where they got all these different components, but it, it's it's a mess, you know, and you have, yeah, you have uh, which one call it back there and he can't hit the short passes. He can only hit the long passes and he's going to be running the ball. Cam Newton's going to be running the ball all over the place. So uh, what a mess. Yeah. That's a really interesting way to put it. And I do think it's like, it's like having, you know, all of these really nice uh, trinkets, you know, but, you don't necessarily have a really good structure to keep them all in place and put them all together. Uh, Maybe the pieces don't quite fit together. If you had like all these like Lego pieces that didn't fit together or something, um, you know, or at least right now we don't know how they're going to fit together. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I really like DJ Moore. Um, I, I, I think of all, I think of all the rookies, he's got a real shot to be the best. Uh, at least this year. And I know there are other guys that could possibly, possibly take that, but he's, he's who I think might be set up and be in the right position to do really well. So I got big expectations for him this year. Looking forward to seeing what he can do in Carolina. Um, we already talked a lot about the Patriots wide receiver position. Um, only guys we really didn't talk about is we didn't talk about Dwayne Allen. Not a lot to talk about there. I'm only bringing them up just because they're, uh, there's so little there, and they did bring in and sign Eric Decker. Uh, what do you think? Do you think there's anything that with those guys, or you still just think this is kind of a almost like the other ones we talked about here, kind of a mess of a mess of a re- of a um, receiver field team here? So, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's with Derek Decker there. He didn't he, he didn't do anything with with Tennessee, but was it because of Eric Decker just reaching his time or was it because Marcus Mariota just couldn't get him the ball? So that's an interesting situation because obviously Tom Brady is going to be able to do that. But if Eric Decker can't run a route because he's too old, then it's not going to do him any good. So 
that's going to be an interesting day. I would definitely have Eric Decker on a list of, and that's what I sort of do. I put on, I put a list of players like Eric Decker that I want to keep an eye on to see how they do in training camp. See, okay. Is, is he running good routes and doing what he needs to do? And even if he's not getting, you know, five receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown doesn't mean that he's not going to be an important part of the offense. And the way to do that is just to look at how well they run the routes and if they're being targeted and that kind of thing. So he's definitely on my list to see what's going to happen with him. Um, I think he definitely has add value just because of the mess in New England where, I mean, you have you have Decker and you have Philip Dorsett. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, it's not right. something – that is a threat to Decker at all, unless he's just too old. And I'm excited. I, I think uh, Decker has an opportunity, and if he's healthy enough, then he's he's someone that is going way late in draft and could add a lot of value to your team being on the Patriots. Yeah, he's the kind of veteran you can see maybe getting in there and having some success with that team. Um, I... So I, let's jump over to the Raiders. I, I'm, we we talked a lot about Amari Cooper already. I know you're you're not a fan of Amari Cooper. Um, if you don't think he's going to do very well, where do you think those targets go? You've got Jordy Nelson there. You've got Martavis Bryant. So a couple of guys coming in. Uh, they're all learning a new system because we've got John Gruden there, uh, and maybe maybe a new system is the wrong way to say it. Maybe it's they're learning an old system. But you've got some of those new guys. You've got Seth Roberts and Ryan Switzer, some guys that, you know, have never really quite caught on. And then the tight end, Jared Cook. What do you expect in the passing game here in Oakland? So, yeah. Or Las Vegas. Where are they? (laughs) Yeah, Las Vegas, right? Um, Yeah. So, I think think, uh, with with John Gruden, he always has that – one receiver that is the standout receiver. And what they've been saying is Amari Cooper is going to be that standout receiver. I'm not necessarily down on Amari Cooper. Like, I wouldn't draft him, but I don't see him as a number one guy. I think he's a fabulous number two receiver for your fantasy team. And if, if obviously, if they built the offense around Amari Cooper, then that – he becomes not only a number two, but now moves up to being a number one. I, I, it's hard for me to, to say that Jordy Nelson is going to be that guy just because why would, why would you, why would he be the number one guy on that team? Why would they be targeting him over Amari Cooper? But if Amari Cooper can't get the job done, then guess where they're going to go. They're going to go to Jordy Nelson and they prove, through time, and obviously it's a different offensive scheme, but that that Michael Crabtree role is more important than than the Mari Cooper role. So I think both have have great value, um, and I just I just I, I can't I can't wrap myself around Amari Cooper being the third receiver off of startup drafts and that kind of thing where he's going, and just because of the fact that he hasn't. He had a horrible year last year. They're attributed to injury. Okay, whatever. We'll see. Um, but if you look at his stats, just game by game, you're going to see two or three games where he's just blown the doors off. And then 
five, six, seven games where he's done absolutely nothing. And that's what worries me is this, the consistency, consistency isn't there. So um, we'll see. We'll see if Gruden can do it, but um, I doubt it. I just, I just don't see – I see a timeshare there and not a number one receiver as Gruden has done in the past. Uh, a year ago, we all thought Martavis Bryant might be uh, – I guess maybe we thought of him about the same way we think of Juju Smith this year. Uh, had high expectations mm-hmm. for him. Um, do you think there's anything – could he emerge as the guy here in Oakland over time? Or do you think this is just going to be one of those cases where – a guy had all the talent in the world and never could quite get things right off the field and is just kind of a sad story. Right now he's a sad story. I think he has one shot to keep clean. And if he doesn't, then we'll never hear of him again. But uh, he has, he has, like you mentioned, he has all that great talent. It's someone who's as tall as he is that can run as fast as he can is amazing. And he, he's someone that I'm sure the Raiders are going to get involved with quite a bit uh, and down the field and maybe have Jordy Nelson and Amari Cooper run crossers and then have hit him, you know, down the field. And so I think he's definitely someone that, that should be on every team. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how, you know, if he can keep his head straight. But he's risked in the Dynasty League because of that. So, I don't know. Do you take him because you know that he's one and done, or um, do you just hope that he relies on the talent, or do you just go with with the price tag, and if the price is right, you roll with him? So I've got, um, you know, kind of like the angel and the devil sitting on your left and right shoulder. Um, I've kind of got two different voices coming at me on this one because – on the one hand, I look at a guy like Martavis Bryant struggling, and I, and I listen to, or I guess the person that I think John Gruden is, and I think that's a tough situation for someone to overcome um, some, you know, knuckleheaded things that he's done off the field. John Gruden doesn't seem like the kind of guy who lets a lot of that kind of nonsense go very easily, and... You know, see, I, I, I worry a little bit about, you know, it kind of strikes me as, um, I guess when I think about him, I think about someone like, who was the guy that coached for the, um, oh, shoot, he coached for the Giants for forever, won the two Super Bowls. I think he's in Jackson oh. now, kind of up. Um, uh, I, know oh, I can't think of his name now. Yeah. But, yeah, kind of like a ornery older man. Like, I know that's not quite who Gruden is, but I kind of think of him in that same um, – maybe it's just, you know, me because of the generation he's in, maybe thinking about him in those terms. But then on the other other side, I think, no, he was already installed there when they went out and made the trade to acquire him from the Steelers. So maybe there was something, you you know, in a – certainly the Steelers played in their fair share of Monday night football games. He got plenty of exposure to that team. I'm sure talked to Mark Davis Bryant many times. Maybe he thinks there's something there. Maybe he took a liking to him and said, Hey, if an opportunity arose, I'd like to get him on my team. So like I said, I've kind of got both, both voices on this one going back and forth and, if I had to, if I had to side with one, I'd say, yeah, he's worth a shot at the right price, um, you know, because 
he's not super expensive in dynasty leagues right now. Um, now the owner that has him might've invested a decent amount to get him last year. And so, you know, you might have that kind of going into it and may, may take a little bit more than you think to pry him away. But, you know, as long as the price is okay, I, I guess I'd lean towards trusting the voice that says, yeah, this is a coaching staff that went out and got him and, mm-hmm. you know, gave up an asset for him. So I guess I'd lean that way, but I can see it both ways too. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he He's going to be definitely an interesting guy to, and he escaped one where they actually thought that he might've, uh, I can't remember, failed the test, I think, or came up negative and, and it wasn't what it was uh, yeah. earlier this year. Um, so yeah, those, those are the kind of things that kind of get you worried whether he's going to be someone that's going to last three to five years, uh, on your fantasy team, just because of, you know, he's gone through and he's gone through like rehab and he's honestly made an effort, which is why he's still in the league, but there's only so many chances you're going to get. And I think he's right. at the end of the rope and we'll see what, what happens, but hopefully he can, he can showcase his talents for the, at least for the next five or so years. Yeah. Because I think that would be good for the football world. I mean, I I'd like, he's an exciting player and I would like to see him playing and on the field and getting those targets and making those incredible catches and, you know, all those things that he was doing. And, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see him on the field doing that. So, um, let's cover, we don't, we might only have time for a couple more of these, but, um, um, this Rams one is really interesting. The Rams have, three receivers that you could tell me they, you could just blurt out any order you want on how they're going to finish. And I'd probably believe you, but Brandon cooks, Robert Woods and Cooper cup. Those three guys are, they're all very different. And man, if they all stay healthy, that's going to mean really good things for Jared Goff. But what are your expectations for these three guys? And if you had to prioritize them in terms of who you'd want to acquire the most, who are you sticking your neck out for and who are you uh, saving for last? So I would definitely go with Cooks first. I think he's going to score more touchdowns than either Cup or Woods. Uh, but he won't have as many receptions as, as Cooper Cup. So uh, definitely uh, Cup, Cook, Cook. Cooks is my number one guy. Cup is my number two guy. And then Woods, if if you're in a PPR league, Cooper cup would be third. If you're in a standard league. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's probably right. I tough is interesting because I think, you know, he's kind of cast in this PPR specialist kind of a role. I, I think he's probably got the ability to be a little bit more than that. I kind of, I kind of see some like Alshon Jeffrey before he fell apart in his game where, He's got the ability to attract a lot of targets. Um, and early, earlier in Alshon Jeffrey's career, he was really good at catching them. Um, and I think Cooper Cup could be too and uh, could be better in the goal line. Robert Woods impressed me a lot last year. And I think he's got the making of a guy who could just be a really savvy wide receiver. Um, and Cooks can just take the top off the defense and he's going to command a lot of targets too, man. This is, this is a really interesting team because Todd Gurley is going to get his targets for sure. Um, and that defense is not going to let the other team score very much. So there, I don't expect a lot of shootouts. 
So, you know, there's a lot of upside here, but could be, you know, could be one of those where Brandon Cooks has a great week and then Robert Woods has a great week. Cooper Cup kind of has his typical, like, six catches for 70 yards maybe. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just could be could be a situation where you almost wish there was one guy. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I could believe any order. I think, I think any of these guys are really good in the best ball league uh, for sure. Um, Coop, Cooper Cup might be the only one that I think I know what his role is going to be, and I expect it to be that way week after week. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really interesting team in the Rams. Um, let's talk about the Ravens. Now, Lamar Jackson got a little bit of a showcase on Hall, uh, at the Hall of Fame game. Um, I guess he showed some things there that where you say, okay, there's some, there is some special playmaking ability here. Obviously, also showed a lot of negative. He wasn't very accurate. Um, you know, you don't want to go off too much of a Hall of Fame game, but uh, – yeah, definitely left me feeling like he may not take this job over quite as quickly as I would hope. Might be seeing a whole lot of Joe Flacco, which what does that mean for Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed, or any of the rest of the options there in Baltimore? Well, John Brown is a deep guy, and before he totaled, his, I believe it was his knees, he um, he, he was looking pretty promising. I, I, I kind of like him. In a, a, one of those deeper formats, sort of a sleeper guy where you're, no one's really drafting him at all, and he comes up and surprises. And Flacco loves those kind of deep receivers. He he's usually pretty pretty good with with you know as as we've seen before. So Brown would definitely fit that mold. Uh, also Crabtree, I like Crabtree. Um, he's going to catch. He's he's always good in the red zone area, uh, especially down near the goal line. And someone that's going to catch at least, I, I think, 70, 70 passes. And because he's with the Ravens and everybody thinks, oh, Joe Flacco, oh, God, you know, his value is going to probably drop more than he's going to uh, be someone that's going to be an asset. So I like his I like his buying range, definitely. Uh, so those are the two guys that, that I would target. Definitely Brown late uh, if you want to take someone that, that is – is a flyer and then Crabtree is probably going to be ended up being the number one receiver there. Man, two years ago in the, the league that I put the most amount of money in, um, I had Cordell Patterson and I had John Brown and Allen Robinson. And <laughs> if all three oh. of those guys end up going off this year, <laughs> I, I, oh, I wow. would just feel like I was, you know, two years early. How come you guys couldn't have uh, gone off back here? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I like John Brown a lot. I I hope he can get his injury issue um, settled down and play 16 games for once. Cause man, it could be a lot of fun to watch him play. Um, I'm with you on that. Some interesting options here at the tight end position as well. They went out and drafted Max yeah. Williams and Hayden Hurst. Uh, or I'm sorry, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. They already had Williams, um, but they've got Boyle Williams and Vince Maley. Who do you, I mean, I, I would expect one of these rookies to be the guy once the season gets here. But who do you think that would be out of 
out of uh, those options, or do you even think it's going to be one of those? What do you what do you expect tight end wise from the Ravens? Yeah, you know the Ravens always been pretty good with their tight ends, and it's, I think it's a toss up between Andrews and the other rookie off the top of my head. I can't think, even though you just gave it to me. Um, and I, I think it's going to be one of those two guys. Both of them are are pretty dang good pass catchers. So. The, the the problem is is going to be which one of those guys are going to stand up. I, Max Williams is definitely not someone that I'm concerned about. He's out the door. Also, um, oh uh, Boyle, I don't I don't think he's he's anything either. So it's going to come down to one of those two rookies, and you're definitely going to want to pay attention to which one of those is the better option for your team. Yeah, and definitely preseason and see which one Flacco seems more interested in going with. So it's been our first go at this, um, and we're kind of coming up against the clock, and we've still got a handful of teams left. I'm going to make a um, uh, suggestion or at least jot down a note that maybe next year we just kind of go through each division and can kind of take our team, our time with each team and uh, maybe go through the NFC South next year in one, in one show and AFC South in another show and maybe kind of go – go through things that way. Um, but, uh, Hey, as it stands, we've, we know what we're going to do next week. We're going to cover this, uh, this last little group here, Redskins, Saints, Seahawks, among, among some others, all the way down to the Vikings. And, um, and yeah, we'll have some real actual football to recap and talk about as well. And, um, but other than that, man, a lot of fun, a lot of, I love going through these depth charts with you here, getting your take on these guys. Definitely as the season's coming up, I feel like I have, you know, been able to think through a lot of these situations and make some decisions and figure out who I'm, who I'm targeting and who I'm not and hope it's been helpful for others as well. Yeah, definitely. And and thanks Kyle. I, you know, it, it, it's just so much fun getting information from someone like you yourself that knows this game and gets me to think about, you know, am I making the right decision? So definitely love doing this with you and looking forward to next week. Yeah. So, um, again, my, uh, so I'm at DinoCast Cal. He is at RFL red zone and dude, you really are, you're a good follow on Twitter. I hope everybody, uh, hope everybody, take the time to go find you on there and um, yeah, find, find both of us, throw some questions out. If you get them, certainly would love the opportunity to interact and uh, anything that you think you can add to get us thinking would be greatly appreciated as well. So with that, I'll uh, sign off and say, Mike, have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. You too, Cal. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye.